All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. You still doing fantasy stuff? Yeah, man. I didn't know you were a part of a league. You don't, in, in, yeah. par, and partly because this is going to be a compliment in a in a backwards way. So many fantasy league people turn into total junkies about it, and it doesn't seem to be something that you prattle on and on about. No, but but I know my audience. I'm not going to prattle <laughs> on and on about well, it with you. That's that's generous. But what I'm saying is, a lot of people don't have that courtesy. Okay. It's their whole friggin' identity that they're in a league. If you ask like any of the guys that are in the league, like. Anytime our this is so like 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 gender normative or whatever yeah how their the wives are like oh my god get away from me like stop talking about this yeah but there is one wife who who plays and Tokino's wives Tokino's wives you know the Vanessa Bayer sketch that they did a few times is that what it was the it was like some uh, frozen food on a on a tray and oh yes her Super yeah Super Bowl watching I, it was some word like that right. Yeah. It was a very similar similar vibe to Man Park from the Saturday Night Live uh, fabulous thing sketch. Yeah. You know, I think Marvel? My, Marvel. I think my my favorite thing about SNL this year is that they have paid close attention to just doing sketches that are like relatable circumstances. Yeah, like two weeks ago with uh, with Culkin, like that bathroom, the men's room sketch, <laughs> the, the man riding a horse. Yeah, or like you're trying. Yeah, oh my god. Oh, freak. <laughs> the one that you legitimately lost your mind about, dude. The it's like a ska song. It's a digital short. Yeah. And how's your mic? Are you okay? I think so. Yeah. Ergonomically. Yep. Um, and he's like a guy. He's a surfer who rides his horse in the Kentucky in Kentucky Derby like a surfboard. Uh, yeah, it's it's exactly like that song from uh, from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yes. It's it's that, but. Look about riding a horse as a skateboard. I'm not saying it is surely the funniest sketch uh, ever on SNL because it's so specific and weird. I'm just saying it hit me more perfectly than maybe as any SNL sketch has ever hit anyone. <laughs> it is really fun. I rewatched it. It. I don't know what it was, but I just devolved into madness as I watched this four-minute yeah. sketch. <laughs> and when I want him to go faster, I just <laughs> give him a bag of chips. <laughs> He was so good. He was funny. And uh, Jonathan Majors this past weekend, um, holding up this interesting tradition of no gimmicks in the monologue. I've been tracking yeah. this. Only stand-up, mm -hmm. and none of them are stand-up comedians. Nope. No Kate McKinnon, no stand-up. You know where McKinnon is? I looked it up. Doing a movie? Yeah, not just any movie. She's doing the Carol Baskin movie. Oh. She's in Australia filming the Tiger King. The thing that they don't need to do. Right. Meanwhile, season two of Tiger King is out right now, and the consensus is this is a cheap facsimile of the first season is it nobody okay, wants to return to their 2020 headspace no what have you done i'm seeing a couple things just on facebook from people that we know that are just like whoa forgot how crazy tiger king is you did? it's so crazy who forgot how crazy tiger king is <laughs> and so i saw that and i'm like i wonder what the general consensus is and i'm so happy that you just boiled it down to yeah no it didn't have to be done at all I mean, I haven't seen any of it, and I am going to try really hard not to. Yeah. I do know that I have the capacity for feeling weak, and if there's nothing mm -hmm. else, I'll be like, all right, fine, let's put it on. But I really don't want to lose those brain cells. I don't even think it's come up on Netflix. Like, we've been watching Big Mouth, which I was kind of hesitant to do because I'm like, ah, uh, you know, you kind of need to be in a headspace to get into yeah. Big Mouth. So we finished Love Life. Oh, wow. Okay. Which I thought was great. Good. So I should keep going after the first one, which is a bummer. Oh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Like it's I think I will too. It's um 
I don't know. I I said that I liked it more than the um the first one yeah, with Kendrick, Ken, uh, Anna yeah. Kendrick, but um <laughs> with Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, with Kendrick Lamar. Uh, yeah. I and watched that, that actually. <laughs> yeah, so what? He I. plays himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't find love in New York. Um, but. The second season I liked a lot. Great. Like a, like a real lot. I mean, I liked the first season a whole lot. Yep. And I have Crave, so... You know what's funny, too? And they do this in a in a tasteful way, is handle a lot of pandemic. Okay. And sort of, um, like, Black Lives Matter stuff. Cool. Yeah, it kind of springs on you, but well, it, but it's done in a in a nice way. And formatically, the nice thing about that show is that they never stay in one month for too long. Right. So it's not you're not going to feel like it's taking over your your escapism. Right. That's the general idea. Is everyone's like, look, I don't need to see COVID in my stuff. Yes. And that is how I feel. But if there is a good story to be told, then exceptions can be made. And it's not like during COVID, they're like, oh my God, this COVID is COVID. And the thing about COVID is, uh, yeah. uh, like, I find that's that's one of the, they're kind of just wearing masks all, all of a sudden. And like, I don't know. I mean, the, there is a, a bit of a rigmarole around like him leaving the office and yeah. all that. But but it was funny because you you see that the the year like because they're jumping from 2016 and all of a sudden January 2020 pops mm. on the screen and you're like oh they're getting uh, pretty close and then all of a sudden March 2020 and it just shows them in an elevator with everyone in the office just holding their stuff and someone oh. coughs and everyone's like eyes are kind of moving around it's just like interesting nice touches that's good yeah. the, the show that leaned in too hard to that and too quickly was this is us which just it just let COVID consume the show. Yeah. And it's not so much that they're like wearing masks or just saying requisite things like, hey, I just got my test results back. I can come over now. And then they start right. the seeing like stuff like that's fine. It was really alienating, alienating to me when they would like explicitly say COVID. The right. word COVID yeah. is like it feels too real. It's right. like, oh, I can't because of COVID. Randall, sorry. When you hear Meredith Gray start an episode with like, the lungs are the one thing in the body that can't keep going once they stop <laughs> or like just something stupid like that where Meanwhile, you're like oh, okay soft tegan and sarah harmonies in yeah the background exactly yeah. yeah how to save a life starts flying. <laughs> i talked to the guy who wrote how to save a life and i don't know if i had the balls to say so how much do you appreciate shonda rhymes but like i thought we talked about like how that song is like one of the generation defining songs yeah and like way to go for that yeah totally. he was very humble i remember liking him his name was isaac slade but I, I think if I were to interview him today, I'd be like, how about that Grey's Anatomy needle drop? Yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> like, isn't that, isn't that game-changing? Yeah. Snow Patrol's the other one, uh, chasing cars. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, there were there were definitely a few. I remember the reading an article, and I think I've brought this up before, so I won't dwell on it, but reading an article about the like music curator for the show mm-hmm. and how she like was like the hottest thing in the world at that time. That was part of the signature of the show the first couple of years, was like totally. how good these indie songs are in the emotional climax of the episode they still do a good job with the music that's good if you catch an episode it's like still true to form there what episodes are you catching or movies what what have you been watching i think i've maybe never watched more things for the first time okay between episodes of a podcast than i have right now man i'm probably with you and i've seen a ton of movies good me too like a handful of movies like saw no time to die oh great yep we we saw Dune. Did you did we talk about that last no, time? No, you had gotten tickets to go see Dune. So yeah. we have to talk about those movies uh, in a spoiler-friendly way. I've seen No Time to Die. I know. Um, it's hard to talk about it in a spoiler-friendly way. It kind of is. Um, but except to say, they do a really nice job of creating an overall story for the 
Daniel Craig iteration of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Whereas like previous James Bonds are really episodic and kind of disjointed and that I, he's still like pining after that first woman, I yep. forget her name now, who betrayed Vespa. him. Vesper. Vesper, who, who, who betrayed him in, in Casino Royale. Like that's still a through line in the story mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah. Um, Didn't, didn't love the way they closed it out. Interesting. We can't talk about it. We can't talk about no. it at all. But Jen also didn't. Okay. We'll talk about it afterward. Yeah. You and I have a few different cinematic opinions this week, and we can get into that as well. Yes, that's right. uh, Dune, what did you think of that? Because I haven't seen it yet. Love Dune. Great. Very good watch. Dull Uh, at any point? No, not dull, but not... um, It was, like, consistent the whole time. It was, like, some cool um, world-building stuff. I thought the villain was super interesting, the Skarsgård character, which was, like, kind of... uh, Kind of weird. I thought Oscar Isaac was really good. Thought Jason Momoa was really good. He kind of plays like a guy who's like everyone's like kind of speaking in like a very sort of proper way, and then all of a sudden, like Jason Momoa comes out as kind of the Han Solo, kind of like, "Hey, kid, what's going on?" Oh, like that kind of. Vibe. I've yet to like him in anything. Not that I've seen him very much. He was good. Like he was pretty good. He was enjoyable to watch. He was in Game of Thrones first, right? That yes. was his entrance. He was on Khal Drogo. He didn't right. speak any English in it. He only spoke Dothraki. Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Something about that guy rubs me the wrong way, but I do want to see Dune. Okay. Absolutely sure. I, I saw the French Dispatch. That was my last theater. Game. Oh, how was that? It was really delightful. Nice. You really liked it. I mean, I, I think I expected to. Like, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a split in the in the reception of it. Like, some people who are, I think maybe you'll enjoy it more if you're not a super Wes Anderson head. Yeah. Because it's just this unusual movie and it's really hard to compare it to things. Yeah. But um, I think because it's so on the nose, Wes Anderson, people who tend to look for that kind of stuff, that aesthetic in his movies, feel beat over the head with it. Right. But I don't mind. Like, I like that every movie gets more Wessy. And we talked about um, Adrian Brody. Mm. Because is he in the French Dispatch? Yeah, he's got a pretty prominent feature in it. So it's cool. interesting because it's like it's split up. It's an omnibus, right? So it's like three feature stories and two mini stories and a cartoon. So it's like an oh. it's like an issue of the New Yorker. Yeah, cool. but as a movie. Um, and so he is one of the main characters in one of the feature stories. So he occupies like about twenty five minutes of the movie. Right. Yeah. Cool. He's great. Very cool. Yeah. So you weren't tired of it at all. It was like a continual. You were enjoying yourself throughout. Yes, just because it's so pretty. Was it kind of like... The language is so good. Like, I can't believe he's so good at framing a shot and phrasing a sentence. Many many people are not good at doing both. Was it kind of like... um, uh, What was the the Coen Brothers Netflix thing that just dropped a couple years ago in December? Oh, yeah. Uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Well, tonally, it's very different from that. For sure. But, But... conceptually like was it kind of like a bunch of stories that you can sit down all at once but you could also watch yes the ones you really like except to say uh there is a reporter assigned to each story so like there's a person uh so like tilda swinton is telling the story that adrian brody features in so there is a through line so there's a through line and so like all these reporters meet back at the office of the magazine where Bill Murray is the editor-in-chief. And right. there's like a reason they've all come together. And so you kind of like jump in and out of that as we tell stories within the magazine. Oh, cool. I like that. <clears throat> yeah, it's really nicely paced out. Yeah. And it's just stunning to look at. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You mentioned, I wasn't sure when I would bring this up, but this is the thing I've been most excited to talk to you about. You mentioned the Coen brothers. 
Your boy has finally seen There Will Be Blood. Oh, nice. Yes. What What are your thoughts? I friggin' loved this movie. What a great movie. What eh? a great movie. Like, in terms of acting and, like, appreciating Daniel Day-Lewis, it's got maybe his best work? I think probably. I haven't had that many opportunities to appreciate Daniel Day-Lewis just because so much of his stuff is kind of, like, abstract and, like, when, when am I going to put on The Last of the Mohicans? Right. And that's not even really abstract. It's actually kind of like an action movie. Okay, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but like, it, it, even the more obvious ones, I'm not going to put on Gangs of New York either. Right, fair. You know? Yeah. And so, for whatever reason, without knowing too much about There Will Be Blood, other than that it's this guy and it's he's an oil man, Yeah. Um, we jumped in because I wanted to be able to be one of those people who says he knows and likes There Will Be Blood. Yep, uh, for sure. And now I am one of those people. It, like, I didn't know it was so singular. It's like almost three hours long and nary a scene without DDL. Right. No, it's it's very driven by him. And I didn't know that it was like so intrinsically about like family. And yeah. I didn't know that he was such a heel. Yeah. I don't know how to talk about it conceptually. But Paul like, Dano too. Crazy good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was kind of a nobody at the time. I think like, he it's was. It's a pretty sweet role for Paul Dano that like maybe it was post Little Miss Sunshine, but other than that, like he was kind of lucky to get that job. I feel like that kind of like informed the rest of his acting career. Mm. And now he's the Riddler. Now he's the Riddler. Yeah, the Riddler. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, not the yeah. Joker, the Riddler. And Colin Farrell is the Penguin. Yeah, or so they say. They say that's him. Uh, okay, I watched so many movies. I watched The Other Boleyn Girl only because Becky wanted to watch it. Okay, um, which is a a Peter Morgan movie. He's the creator of The Crown. He also made The Queen. Like he has this right. really interesting place in in cinema where he only like makes these dynastic royal installments mm-hmm. anyway i've heard about the other balloon girl it's about king henry the eighth and the beheading of Anne Boleyn, and it was fine we watched passing which is on netflix and it's ruth nega and tessa thompson and it's it's a very artsy movie i'm not sure i fully understood it but it essentially takes place in the 20s okay. and it features these two black women who can if they want to pass for white women and one of them does. And she has a super racist white husband. And she completely lives like a, a false identity and uh, enjoys the rewards from passing. Wow. Meanwhile, this other one who's like her old friend, uh, you know, lives lives her truth. But she has her own problems. They're a very interesting movie. And it's based on a book. And like it's, it is kind of abstract. And yeah. I'm not sure I totally understood everything at the end. But again, very visually beautiful interesting yeah just a netflix movie yeah but like what's just a netflix i mean movie? like was it was it like a netflix joint it, uh, i think so yeah i mean it was on netflix gotcha. and it's new and right. i think there's a little awards buzz but not a whole lot of talk about it um i watched quiz show do you know quiz show is it it's a movie yeah i'm kind of surprised I, I didn't know about this movie sooner it's ray fines and john turturro okay it's 1994, and it is a biopic. It's a telling of a famous uh, quiz show scandal in like the 1950s that sort of changed the face of legalities around American game shows. Okay. Um, so it's a true story about this this game show called 21, which is just like a, a two-person trivia off mm-hmm. where NBC was essentially rigging the entire thing. They would give people the answers or they'd tell them to take a fall when the ratings were not good and they wanted to like replace the person. And so 
the whole thing is like a, a double character study of these two people, one of whom gets ousted from the show and gets, he's quite um, jilted. And the other guy who becomes like a celebrity Ken Jennings type in the 1950s. And wow. it's, it becomes like a legal, like a courtroom drama. And given that it's about uh, game shows and I like courtroom dramas and I like dirty secret movies mm -hmm. and I like chatty movies about smart people, I should have loved this movie and I was bored to tears. Yeah, I yeah. well, I I think part of the the 1950s of it all would make it more boring for me too. Maybe, but we like a lot of that stuff. Like yeah, that's such right. a, a a stimulating, uh, easy to idealize kind of era mm -hmm. in so many movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can't can't see me getting into that. But good to know. I'll take a pass on that one. I mean, you like, don't give it your ass. No, I don't give it my ass. I took me four sits to watch it, but it's wow. one of those cases where like you look it up. And you read all these like letterboxed and Rotten Tomatoes reviews where people friggin' love Quiz Show. Like it's kind of a classic. And I feel dumb for not getting it. Because hmm. it should have been my thing. Oh, is it like old? 1994 they made it. Oh, yeah. okay. It's not even like a current, like I thought this dropped like last year or something. No. Wow. Strange. Yeah. Um, watched uh, uh, Red Notice. Oh, okay. Not awful. Uh, like everyone being everyone right action movie ryan reynolds being the guy who was like that didn't come out the way i wanted it to oh my god <laughs> like, that's pretty good that's he, a good ryan reynolds he's like he is hitting every ryan reynolds note but like a part of me thinks like okay maybe this guy's like a a bit of a one-trick pony but the other part's like good on you man like lean yeah. into what you do in every movie why not? It's funny you bring that up because i've been reflecting on this very concept we talked about it, i think a, a couple weeks ago Okay, interesting. This week in particular, I've just been thinking about it because of what podcast guests there have been. Yeah. So on Monday, Marin had George Clooney. Okay. And Tuesday, uh, Fresh Air had Will Smith. Never chose Will Smith. Mm -hmm. And all throughout that meditation, I also thought of Tom Cruise quite a bit for whatever reason. So like, there's like your three biggest movie stars in the world. Yeah. None of whom typically divert from the character that they are pop culturally when they're in fact playing a person. Save it, like perhaps the exception of like King Richard, but like. Sure. More often than not, these people are just themselves in movies and it works because they're movie stars. And that got me thinking, like, what exactly is a movie star? Does a Ryan Reynolds have to, like, Daniel Day-Lewis himself? Or is mm. it actually great that he's totally in on the joke and he's going to play the Ryan Reynolds you know and love in a bunch of different worlds? Yeah, and, and the same could be said for George Clooney. You know, you exactly. never really have George Clooney playing, like, an erratic like no psychopath no he got nominated for an oscar for up in the air yeah like that that's just george clooney working george for the Clo airline but george clooney wearing a suit yeah. walking with his hands behind his back saying, looking like, handsome huh. being kind of cold not yeah. wanting to get married right yeah <laughs> it's george clooney we know that george clooney and so i haven't seen red notice i don't feel drawn to it i think my aversion is actually to the rock that's my other hot take yeah man fair enough like it's not um I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea. It's just kind of like a fun action movie. It's also like a heist, like a kind of a three-part heist movie. Yeah. Some some decent twists and stuff going on there. Uh, Ryan Reynolds has made a lot of those movies in the last couple of years, though. Like, yeah. Free Guy is kind of one of those movies. And yep. then he was in the Michael Bay one last year. Yes. Six Underground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's funny that uh, he hasn't really branched out into anything a little crazier. He hasn't taken like a big turn. He would be due for that. Like if he wants a reconnaissance of his own, that's that right. should start I, soon. I think that's where, what we talk about. Like he's, he's Matthew McConaughey pre 
McConaissance. Except he has a cool factor that McConaughey didn't have pre-McConaissance. Like McConaughey, McConaughey was a rom-com guy and he was cheesy. Yeah. Whereas Ryan Reynolds is kind of like your boyfriend's favorite actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he was in like a couple, um, almost like Michael Creighton-y, McConaughey was like Michael Creighton-y, like John grisham style movies, I or, think Yes, first. that's the first McConaughey era. Yeah, and yes. then we went into rom-com for just like yeah. 10 to 12 years. Yeah. And again, maybe he was just playing himself and then he reinvented himself. Yeah. And I kind of, in a way, find current McConaughey the most annoying McConaughey. The, the green light McConaughey, who's like... Right. <laughs> Yeah. Who does the whistle when he talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, what else to see? Anything else? Any other movies? Because uh, there's a couple of juicy ones that we can talk about, but we should save those. Movie styles. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay. I started watching and actually liked and made me appreciate The Rock a little bit more. Jungle Cruise. I've been wanting to. You should do it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, like a fun, unexpectedly enjoyable movie but i do it for blunt i wouldn't do it for Dwayne. no and and uh jack jack whitehall's in it too and he's really good that's not a sentence i've heard too many times i yeah. don't i don't like that guy no i mean he's well if you don't like jack whitehall he's he's not super redemptive he's, he's in that brand. way he's, yeah he's very much himself <laughs> i think okay yeah no you know what like a bad taste has been stuck in my mouth from a few years ago i saw him doing stand-up on something and he was talking about brexit mm-hmm. and how it related culturally to the Trump election. Cause they happened like right around the same time. Like Brexit yep. like started to happen just before Trump got elected. And his joke all revolved around the British people did something stupid and Americans were like, hold my beer. And that was the big punchline right. was a fucking meme. Yeah. And I was like, screw this guy. I'm not here for this. Yeah. That's such a huge buildup. Yeah. For a short drink that's, of beer. That's, that's a pretty weak thing for a professional comedian to do. Yeah. Now starring in the Clifford movie seems a little bit more in, in line with what I expect from Jack Whitehall. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, uh, the big Clifford, the big red dog movie yep. that's in theaters right now. He's doing a press tour for that movie. <laughs> I forget who I saw tweet. More like Clifford, the big red hit. That <laughs> made me laugh. I think really it did hard. make some money. I think it's like, I, it, I did, bet it did. It wasn't embarrassing for the studio as we kind of thought it would be when we first saw Clifford. Right. Yeah. No, man. We'll rock with Clifford. Um, I, I sometimes think about a thing. It was an interaction that you and I had before we were close friends but i think we were living together and for whatever reason i told you that my favorite movie of all time was the princess bride okay which has pretty consistently been a truth for most of my life there's a few movies that slot in and out princess bride's probably my number one with a bullet but you hadn't seen the princess bride at the time i had no idea of what the princess bride was. and what you said next uh was crushing you said (laughs) you said like with anne hathaway (laughs) <laughs> that was princess diaries yeah and i was like no for half a second you thought that was my favorite movie and it's a shame <laughs> i was although, truly lost although the first princess diaries is kind of good it's kind of like it it's it is what it is but it's kind of a good movie okay but we watched princess diaries 2 for no for no reason <laughs> that i can justify for no reason that i think like has merit we put it on yep and it's bad it's very bad Fair. Yeah. That's so funny that you remember that because that's something that I would remember if someone said that to me too. But I just, I, I don't know why I, it took me so long to get to The Princess Bride in my life. It's one of the most popular cult things ever. Like it, it is just, it has a cult fanhood and yeah. a very loud cult fanhood. Yeah. But some people don't connect with it and that's yeah. okay. And that became a thing maybe for a couple years or maybe it was that year that I ended up seeing it. But yeah, I felt like did. there was like a while where I, I hadn't seen it and I finally put it in. And I was like, oh, huh, fun movie. 
it is a really fun movie. It's very special to me, but it's not everyone's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than The Princess Diaries, although The Princess Diaries is okay. <laughs> Princess Diaries Royal Engagement, you can skip. <laughs> you can bail on that one. There's a scene where they get Julie Andrews to sing. Like okay. it's like a sleepover and Julie Andrews is going to sing a song and you're like, well, this is a little shoehorn, but what it's Julie Andrews. Sleepover. You, you can get Julie Andrews to sing in your movie. You should do that. Yep. But then Raven Simone comes in and sings over Julie you're Andrews the whole time. Me. Like, this is the worst possible decision you could have wow. made. Wow. <laughs> Raven Simone. What a move. Yeah. It was a, a, power a very, very weird power move. We already had this conversation a little bit privately. It got a little personal, uh, <laughs> but we had differing opinions about Home Sweet Home Alone. Yes. So, so yes, I was maybe in a sort of tired headspace at the time when I was watching it. Okay. It was like the evening where the night before, um, uh, a friend was in town. We went out for drinks, had a a very slow day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we like popped on home alone at the end of the night. I was like, cool, let's get into it. We had pizza. All of these things might've just contributed to me enjoying the movie a little bit more yeah but i thought my thesis on it was i thought that the fact that they just didn't remake the original home alone and didn't kind of like follow in all the same footsteps a la like the force awakens which you know was a huge like fan service well it kind of was i mean that's kind of a different argument to have there there's a case to be made for why star wars rhymes with itself generationally i actually don't think that it's like a total ripoff of original star wars for like nuanced reasons but i see what you mean you know what i mean like in a in a it's not a a a cut for cut i think a better i think a better example is like the hangover the hangover 2 is a beat for beat remake of the first one sure yeah yeah okay cool we can stick with the hangover for this one um but you don't have the nostalgia I guess is what I'm saying. Whereas, no. you know, you, you might be expecting that with uh, uh, what could be considered a classic movie. Uh, Jurassic World. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jurassic World would be safe to say that. Okay. Um, so I thought the fact that they kind of wrote the premise in such a way that, you know, it wasn't necessarily, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, but you like kind of very quickly. It's, I mean, it's, it's in the, it's in the trailer. The, the big diversion from tradition is that they, make the burglars sympathetic. Yeah. And the burglars aren't really they're they're trying to get a thing back, but they're not trying to like rob rob a house and hurt a kid. Nope. You're right. Like they're very much trying to avoid the kid and like explain and reason with the kid, but there's a series of misunderstandings that So here's the thing. Prevent them. I like that too. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice idea to change it up a little bit. My issue is with what it cost the movie to do that. For one, I don't like movies that are built around misunderstandings. I don't think that's good storytelling. Two, in order to make the burglar sympathetic, you you have to kind of um, uh, contaminate the tradition of Home Alone itself. Yes. Which is the slapstick, let's fuck these two people up. And when, when I see a paint can hit Marv in the face, he deserved it. Right. But when I see... Uh, like uh, a friggin' eight ball hit Ellie Kemper in the in the boob. I feel bad for her. And yeah. it became a drag to watch this like constant miscommunication happen. Well, and I all were... of this violence at the hands of an incredibly unsympathetic uh, protagonist. I was really analyzing the violence because I thought that they were taking it way easier. I thought that they were only doing the really harsh stuff to Rob Delaney. 
Yeah, he honestly the welt on his head. Yeah, made me nauseous. It was yeah. disgusting and bad makeup. <laughs> and then Ellie Kemper was getting kind of like, you know, because I, I was even thinking like, how are they going to be super kind of violent toward Ellie Kemper? Ellie Kemper yeah. in this, who's like, seems like one of the most sympathetic people in the world. Right, she's just so sweet. Like, like a, that's part nice of her brand person. is yeah. to be like kind and small. Yeah, yeah, and and neither of them wanted to. They never had any threats about there was no which you're right that maybe is part of the like hey kids suck brick is yeah. like funny it broke the movie for me yeah, yeah if I'm stripping away like all of the like the bad joke writing and like because that I also think is an issue but like I sat through the movie like totally. don't get me wrong it's a watchable movie and I'm not gonna rewatch it inherently what's wrong with it for me it's yeah. it's not that like I, I I missed the nostalgia of Home Alone I actually think I've grown to like Home Alone more as an adult than I did when I was a kid yeah um, I and, and I do by the way think the first Home Alone by John Hughes is a pretty near perfect movie it's actually no holes in that plot um, but your first instinct when you hear about a new one is like, okay, well, what about cell phones? And they mm -hmm. like try a little bit to get around that. The other mm -hmm. thing that they take out of this movie almost completely is, uh, his name's not Kevin, it's Max. Max's family. So Ashling B plays the mom and there's like a, a like an F story of her trying to get home. Yeah. And the rest of the family matters not. Right. Like the fact that like Kevin feels lost among his older siblings and cousins contributes to kevin wanting to be alone yeah i don't know why max wants to be alone no and he he they say it in the in the car in like the first 30 seconds of the movie when they're driving and they have to go to this house which is the the uh, the eventual villains quote right. unquote house because he has to pee so it's like an open house yeah and and i kind of even i kind of missed that Oh really? Yeah. yeah, and um, so then they're there, and and they end up thinking that he stole a doll from them. Yeah, that ends up being worth two hundred thousand dollars, which is an unbelievable amount of money to not know. I know. I had I had an issue with that too. Like just getting the doll back, they're like, "Well, fine, you save you save the house by finding the doll." Like when you see something you think you own is selling for two hundred thousand dollars on eBay. That doesn't mean you're going to get $200,000 for that well, thing. Well, I, I kind of thought that the kid, either the kid didn't have it, mm -hmm. which which was what ended up happening, or the kid had it and he was the one who posted it on eBay for $200,000. Because the conversation- way, that a way better twist. The conversation that they had earlier was that it was like $5,000 or something. Yeah. Way better twist. Yeah. Yeah. But, That's uh, good. But then it would have been kind of irredeemable for- Max to be I doing that he too. Was irredeemable like, anyway. Yeah, like I, I really did. You weren't a fan. No, it just. It, you said something about them taking the America out of the movie and that kind of spoiling it for you with the European. Oh, well. <laughs> no, you didn't say this at all. I was putting words in your mouth, and I'm surprised that you're really thinking about it. No, no, no. What you? Yeah, you had said that it was confusing that like half of the family is is British and like. Yeah, Pete no, Holmes is not. No, just that like, the mom was British, the mom and the son. Yeah. I don't think there was another British person in the movie. Andy right. Daly was the dad, and then like he wasn't in any scenes. Why was some reason it was just like her and Pete Holmes, who's like, like an uncle? Well, and like there's an Uncle Frank in Home Alone. Yep. And so like I guess that there's an uncle there explains why there's cousins around. Yeah. But like, can't we just tighten this up and make Pete Holmes the dad? Like, yeah, can't why we make not? the drama something else? So this is what I think. And I thought he was funny. I I think that. Uh, Probably Mikey Day and Streeter Seidel are not to blame here. 
I think they probably didn't write one movie. They probably wrote 10. Mm. And the studio was like, we're going to take this and this and this. I think they probably cut it to pieces. Yeah. Because Andy Daly has one line about stepping on Lego and how painful that There's was. There's just no and reason. don't see him again. No reason that guy should be in the movie. Even Ashling B. She's so funny. And she's just like, she's not even Catherine O'Hara in this. You right. Know? Well, what else has she been in? I was trying to figure it out. Well, we know her uh, most recently from the Paul Rudd show Afterlife. She was his wife yes. in that. Yes, okay, that's but exactly But she's like a very funny, like, panelist comedian. Gotcha. Oh, In the cool. UK. Yeah. Would she be on, like, Big Fat Quiz of the Year kind exactly, of thing? Exactly. I've never, kind of I don't think I've seen her on it, but. Yeah. But I do, uh, I'd like to see She's been now. on a couple of talk shows to promote this Home Alone movie, and she's super funny. Nice. She had a great story on, because she was on. Uh, this is a good segue. She was on Seth the same night as Taylor Swift. Okay. And she told a story about when she first met Taylor Swift, her friend invited her to come for drinks at his house, at his friend's house. Okay. And so she shows up to this apartment and before she realizes it's Taylor Swift, who's the friend. Yeah. She's in Taylor Swift's living room. Oh my God. And so like, yeah, she just told it really funny. Nice. Um, yeah, so what did you think of uh, all the Taylor Swift stuff? I okay. feel like you can go off. How much time do we have? We've been going for a half an hour already. The thing is, I don't. I, I, I want to respect the listener who can't listen to me talk for a whole podcast about, about All Too Well, but I have so many feelings about what Taylor Swift is culturally right now. And I assume Jen like listened back and like did she watch the short film? I, no, I don't think she watched the short film. I think she's listened to it and, and she saw the Saturday Night Live performance. What did you think of the Saturday Night Live performance? Which, I by the way, good. is the longest music performance in the history of SNL. Yep. I said to you a few weeks ago on the on the podcast that All Too Well is probably the best song she ever wrote. Yeah. I still think that's true. Yeah. I think this 10-minute version is good also. Mm-hmm. I think it's deranged. Like I and I mean that. Like I think and I think that that's part of the the meta character of the song is that in itself it's just so ridiculous and over the top right um what's unfortunate is like taylor hasn't done anything wrong she's just like a really great creator um and a really good business person um but she doesn't seem to have the interest or perhaps it's none of her business to reduce any of the the reactions in her 13 year old super fans Mm -hmm. Uh, which is to interpret this literally and that she's like a trauma victim because she got dumped when she was 21. Right. And so the song feels so eminently relatable because it's a good breakup song and the feelings are relatable. But that's what pop songs are, is Mm -hmm. you're supposed to like thrust yourself into the narrative, but it's so specific. And because her love life is so deeply chronicled, people just see it as like, literally a movie right. about literally Jake Gyllenhaal right. and you're missing the point. And so like there were a bunch of TikTok videos. I deleted TikTok this week because I couldn't see so another. So many people being like, give back the scarf. I couldn't see another person try to cancel Jake Gyllenhaal in earnest. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's start, happening. There started to be a narrative about how he groomed her, which is frigging not oh, true. My God. This like, is crazy. Like she is starting to have a responsibility to say, you guys, this song is yours. Yeah. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to do your stuff with it. So like right. there's videos of like some nightclub that was playing the 10 minute all too well. And th- somebody had animated uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's assassination into Jesus. the movie. It's so ridiculous. Wow. There's, um, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say that it's super played out that people are like, wow, Taylor, like a 10 minute song from like a three month relationship. I think that's, I think that 
that she's leaning into that. I, and I, yeah. I kind of think it's self-aware. Yeah, sure. Um, and like I said, it helps that it's a really good song. And the new lyrics are pretty good, too. I don't, and I said this to you when uh, Fearless Taylor's version came out, I don't believe for a second that that entire thing was written 10 years ago. I, I think right. you can say that. You can say that those are the lyrics you cut away. Yeah. But you didn't write uh, Fuck the Patriarchy Keychain into your song 10 years ago. Right. First of all, people weren't saying that. And yeah. you definitely weren't saying that. Is that a lyric? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And okay. The, the other thing is like a lot of the, the lyrics, the new lyrics are self-aware with hindsight. Right. Which is fine because I remember it all too well. It's a song about thinking back on it. Mm-hmm. But don't lie to us and tell us that you wrote this and the studio was like, we've got to cut this and this and this. Right. That's the best lyric in the song. Yeah. You didn't cut that lyric. She's she's really walking a fine line with being the relatable person that everyone likes and also being the biggest star in the world. Uh, well, like being Beyonce. That that relates also to another uh, lyrical observation I have about the the new All Too Well. It ends with this refrain of, um, uh, did the love affair maim you all too well? Um, just it's, it just between us, did the love affair maim you all too well? First of all, maim is like such an aggressive word. Like people <laughs> yeah. break up. Maim is such a strong word for a breakup. Uh, but the just between us is really funny to me because there couldn't be less just between a, us. A less it, uh, it couldn't down be a, low. Yeah, it couldn't be a less intimate breakup at yeah. this point. It is the most public. It's not at all just between us. Right. And so I don't know if that's self-aware or if it's completely ignorant. But. I, I do think it's funny, like Jake Gyllenhaal just <laughs> 10 years later, like coming home being like, oh my God, what is happening? So I, what I thought was uh, like there was a 5% chance of, so she made a movie, right? Yeah. And we can call it a movie delusional Taylor Swift uh, superstands think that she should get nominated for an Oscar. It's a music video. It's a 14 minute music video, guys. Relax. It's Green Day. It's Wake Me Up When September Ends. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, With Evan Rachel Wood. She directed it and it's actually really well done. It's like well shot. There's famous people in it playing, I guess her and I guess him. Um, What I kind of thought would have been smart and maybe this just wouldn't happen because Jake Gyllenhaal thinks too highly of himself. There's a flash forward where she then plays the girl. Ah. And you see him in the window looking in at her and he's wearing the scarf. And you're like, oh, he's wearing, he's still got the scarf. And you just <laughs> see him from behind. And it would have been fabulous for both of them if it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. But I don't know if they would have, I, I like. You don't know if either of them would have wanted that. Well, if Taylor Swift would have done that, it kind of neuters the song a little bit. It kind yeah, of, it sa- let, it kind of says, him off I don't hurt as much as the song says I do. Right. Which she doesn't. No. <laughs> but I don't know if like... She's got she's got a team of people yeah. analyzing this. Right. And so another version of the song came out today. It's the all too well Taylor's version, sad girl autumn version. <laughs> You're kidding me. It's softer and more piano based. And it's called sad girl autumn version. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's what I mean. You're self-aware. You, you're yeah. in on the joke. You yeah. get it. Um, and it's also, I think that's like the most distilled... Uh, red product we've had so far because that was like an autumn album and it's a sad girl album. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Did you like the rest of the album? Yeah. You're good with it's it. It's like a Phoebe Bridgers duet on it. There's another cool. Ed Sheeran duet on it and like all those old songs were her best songs too or mm-hmm. at least among her best songs. So like this was like a really highly anticipated one and good for her. Nice. And tomorrow uh, Sad Girl Autumn continues with the new Adele album coming out. We watched the Adele concert by the way. How was that? I, I haven't seen it. It was like she's so good in she's concert. Super talented. Like there's 
She's maybe the best singer in the world. Maybe probably the best, the best singer. Probably. In the world. Well, there's just something. Becky said it best. Adele just hits different. Yeah. A lot of people have range, but totally. there's just something about the when she says it, it's just like, oh, frig, I feel that in my socks. That video of her that was out today. I don't know why why it was out, but it's like her like webcamming with someone, and she just like kind of turns her head and starts yeah. like singing into like the abyss of her. I don't know. Twelve million dollar. I, I was gonna say like. Her, her $12 million apartment that has like yeah. 14 foot high ceilings and stuff. And it's just like the echo is so crazy, but you, you, I did watch it and I'm, I'm not like really a fan of her music, but I can't take anything away. I'm not like, no, no. I'm not like she's a shitty artist. She's an incredible artist. Yes. But when you, when I heard that, I was like, Oh, Whoa, Adele, like just and, power. And that's how we kind of felt watching this concert. It was yeah. like a really special thing. She's up at the, observatory in california and yeah. like everybody in the audience is the most famous person you can imagine <laughs> yeah like the whole audience is i would go to that a listers like absolutely a listers yeah and so that was like kind of cool and she is in charge and commanding with an incredibly like effortless funny just like kind of cocktaily vibe yeah and by the way she also sings like crazy right. she has a song from the last album called when we were young which was like briefly a radio hit yeah and then it got pulled and it's not been as resonant as hello or someone right. like you or rolling in the deep i'm really happy about that because when we were young is my favorite adele song and it made both becky and i weep on the couch yeah. watching her sing it that's like let me photograph mm -hmm. yeah just I, that idea can i photograph you in case this doesn't last forever i gotta hold this picture with me like, like the, right. the, the words of that are really good yeah and so the concert uh, aspect of the special was great there's too much oprah interview yeah I like Oprah. She did a good job, but there's just it wasn't balanced well enough. I wanted to mm -hmm. see more songs, and it's not quite as um, I don't know if Adele's quite as interesting as Prince Harry and Meghan Markle in that regard. No, that's kind of how I feel too. It's like I'm I'm glad that she's able to process her uh, her pain yeah. through I, art that people enjoy. I but think like, she'd be more fun to hang out with, definitely. But like, you're not going to get any really like sort of salacious discussion no, from her right? and to use your comparison like getting divorced is not the same as leaving the royal family no like i'm sorry it hurt and it's great that you made good art as a result of that yeah. but like lots of people break up like well and she's not she's not dishing she's not like i had no. an abusive husband i had like there's it, it's literally like you're right it's no not, he's it's not I, dirt i love him yeah like just things didn't work out there right <laughs> like anyway she's a very real very cool person and the mm -hmm. songs are beautiful and i'm looking forward to the mm. and that's that why album. she's real and cool is because you know you feel like she's a she's a buddy i texted you today and i said so that you're prepared for this discussion this evening please watch the pam and tommy trailer yes uh and i told you i teased that i have a, a, a hot take well just an idea about it that i feel a little uneasy about you have notes i have notes okay <laughs> what were your initial thoughts because we knew this movie was happening mm -hmm. obviously when you first hear in particular that Lily James is playing Pamela Anderson. You're like, how is that possible? Right. You see the trailer and you're like, oh yeah, I see it. Right. Yeah. It's Pamela. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was, uh, I thought it will be better than The Dirt. <laughs> yeah, but it's notable also that it's from the team that brought you I, Tanya, And yeah. it is exactly in that vein. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of a similar vibe that I have. I think it'll be a more interesting, I'm more familiar with the, with that actually i'm not really familiar with the story but i remember it actually making headlines like i remember being in junior high and people talking about it so the movie is Maybe about elementary school the movie is about the famous 
Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson sex tape. Like the sex tape. Well, yeah, maybe like one of the first like viral sex tapes. Yeah. Um, which was released unconsensually. Mm-hmm. Non-consensually. Uh, and this movie appears to be about that caper. Was the discovering of this illicit and um, juicy material. Yeah. And the disseminating of it for the lack of a less disgusting word in this case. Yeah. Um, my problem is if this movie is inherently an indictment of our exploitation of the privacy of celebrities, Mm -hmm. isn't this movie going to do more harm than good? If 100,000 people watched the Tommy and Pam video last year, aren't a million people going to watch it this year? That's possible. Yeah, you're you're very... uh... You're on a good job. I, I wonder if the movie's going to just make you feel so dirty about it at the end. Yeah, it's going to guilt you away from watching yeah. the celebrity sex tapes. I mean, maybe. I don't know that they're going to like paint Tommy and Pam as people who you like really feel bad for. Right, that's also true. Like, Because that's, that's kind of hard to do, although like I, I, they are the victims in the movie, it mm-hmm. would appear, but they're complicated public figures. And he's at Sebastian Stan's Tommy Lee. That's right, yeah. He also looks good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Seth Rogen is the guy who appears to be responsible for the leaking of the tape. And for the record, I'm going to watch this movie. Totally. It, it looks good. Super watch. But I think I have a, an inherent problem with with their efforts, with, with the supposed virtuousness that they're trying to purport. I wonder if it's even virtuousness. Like, it seems like it'll just be, it'll get eyes on that movie. Yeah. So that was my initial you know, thought. Maybe, maybe they won't guilt us out of it at all. Like poor celebrities, like I know not poor celebrities, but also like Taylor Swift is a good example. And she's somebody who's been able to harness the obsession with her private life. Mm-hmm. But like some of these people completely collapse in on themselves because it's so unnatural to be this obsessed over. And when somebody takes advantage of that um, and you're like a, 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 a victim of a version of sexual assault, assault on the grandest of scales and the most public of stages, mm-hmm. it's got to be like really traumatic. Here's a question. Yeah. What about um, uh, Pam and Tommy IRL? Are they getting a piece of this? Have they, has there been any word from them? It's a good question. That, that would be a huge uh, factor in whether or not this movie is ethical. I wonder if they're in it, like not in it, but like if they gave it their sort of like, yeah, go for it guys. They must have. I think they have kids together, right? So they would have a relationship of some kind. Um... But they're both, sure. they're both on like their fifth marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea whatsoever. Not a clue. The last time I was close with Tommy Lee was Tommy Lee Goes to College, which I thought was like the coolest <laughs> show is, this ever. That's why you and I are, are great friends because there are weird little things that only you and I would remember. <laughs> Tommy Lee Goes I to College. I totally remember Tommy Lee Goes to College. I remember being like when that show, like I, I watched the first like two episodes yeah. or something on like ABC one night mm-hmm. and I was like, man, when can I get more Tommy the Lee whole, Goes to the College? The whole premise is Tommy Lee is an idiot and yeah. he goes to real college and like he gets a crush on his tutor yeah. To me, it was mind melting that he had two different colored Converse. Yeah, I which re- just meant he had to buy one hundred and twenty dollars worth of Converse. I remember he had like a <laughs> a, a, a a gay roommate and uh, was just so cool with it that yeah. I was like, oh man, this guy is like the coolest rock star ever. I mean, like that's Tom- subversion right there. Yeah, I think there are probably some things about Tommy Lee that are not so cool. 
but like yeah definitely do you remember uh rockstar supernova that was the other thing yes it was like american idol but for was he on that first season he was on it the second season so it was like dave navarro the first season then tommy lee showed up uh dave navarro was like always the simon cowell of the show okay and then in the second season because they found a new uh lead singer for in excess he was a guy from here jd fortune jd fortune and so that was kind of a hit and then they tried to have a hit with the second season it was called uh rockstar supernova mm-hmm. and they created a band called supernova and it was tommy right. lee and a guy from metallica and a guy from i don't know guns and roses or something right and and so they were the judges and they had all of these like interesting rock singers and the allure of it was that they were all more polished than american idol contestants yeah but i'm sure in hindsight it was very corny because they all had like puka shells and oh and chain link yeah. tattoos. i watched both seasons of that yeah, too. Me too yeah B- was a big fan i still have there's a song called uh uh, glass in the trees okay. from the first season yeah. that one of the contestants sang and i downloaded it on like limewire and still get it <laughs> stuck in my head sometimes don't yeah, know why i can remember a guy doing like a really uh moody piano ballad version of losing my religion and thinking sure. this was incredible yeah yeah and i remember um tara sloan who's like a, a cbc sports announcer now oh doing like a talking heads psycho killer this was on the same so she's canadian too okay um but uh yeah she did uh psycho killer and they like loved it but ultimately i just didn't think they were gonna have a female singer for that band they could sing original songs and they could play instruments and that was like also a complete diversion from american idol they were all like in bands otherwise yeah anyway that was that was an era that was part of tommy lee's i'm a funny dork on reality tv right i know i'm kind of a mess but that's part of my charm he wore like a loose tie over like a (laughs) t-shirt i can't believe you remember tommy lee goes to college i can't believe we've never talked about tommy lee goes to college we should do an episode (laughs) tommy lee goes to college do the whole series bring it out of the vault just like i may destroy you we'll watch the whole when when we do the movie We'll do an episode where we do the 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 Pam and Tom movie. Yeah. And then we do Tommy Goes to College. I can't wait. Pfft, tight. That's excellent. Uh Squid Game officially the most watched thing ever on Netflix. And okay. they've confirmed season two. That's all we have to say about that. But okay. like can't be a great surprise they're gonna do season two of such a, a money. Successful. Uh this just happened today. This is really interesting. Jonah Hill. Yes. Gonna play Jerry Garcia. Yeah, dude. Oh man, I saw this. In Martin Scorsese's Grateful Dead biopic. I'm so, so, so stoked for Seems this. perfect, right? So stoked for this. Yeah. Did you know that I'm like a, a minor deadhead? No, but I love that. Like I got in. Like I went deep on the <clears throat> dead. I know really nothing. Like, you know, like the like the nineteen seventy two Pacific Northwest album is a super choice. Interesting. For the Grateful Dead. Like yeah, to the point where I started listening to podcasts about different live shows, and it just really ultimately wasn't that entertaining. Right. I couldn't go into it, but it's all all because um, Ezra Koenig has this like internet radio show, and they're one of <laughs> this this artist uh, Jake Longstreth, who's the brother of Dave Longstreth from the Dirty Projectors, mm-hmm. who's like another band that I really like. But um, he he's a huge Deadhead. Like so, so into it that he's got a uh, a Grateful Dead cover band, and this got Ezra as a result. Like throughout the internet radio show, really into the Grateful Dead. Okay. So he went like super deep, 
and that kind of like informed the whole last album of of Vampire Weekend, and then oh. so yeah, I I get myself into some Grateful Dead. That's clearly like another artist that hits different because they yeah. just have a really unique following. It's so niche. Totally, man. There's like a four hour documentary called Long Strange Trip. Yeah, which is a great name for a documentary. Yes, um, and it uh, is really really good yeah it's a like a great watch just like a good sunday watch get into it so like that's kind of scorsese's other most comfortable milieu there's mob movies and mm-hmm. then there's like classic rock which plays a, like a really prominent role in everything he does totally but he's never done a classic rock movie he's done a few documentaries yeah, i was gonna say the last waltz is like you're right he's never done a narrative yeah. although this is still a true story yeah although i guess a lot of his good movies are based on true stories so that's fine so who's gonna play bob weir I, we know nothing. We just know Jonah Hill's going to play Jerry Garcia. Which it's a good is, drop. It's a great drop. We know he works great with, with Marty. Mm-hmm. That's been a good collaboration before. I want to see Jonah in good, juicy acting roles again. And by yeah. the way, the full trailer for Don't Look Up came out the other day. Yeah. That's, I think, the movie that I'm most excited for. That trailer just did something to me. I was yeah. just like freaking electric watching that trailer. Nice. It's sweet that it's going to be on Netflix, yeah. too. Christmas. Um, Man. Oh, I'm going to start drafting like a Dreamcast. Okay. A Sega Dreamcast of this movie. So we're going to have, like, who would, like, Bob Weir, who's, like, the the lead singer. I guess, but I wouldn't know, like, to look at any of these people. He's, like, kind of like a, he always wore, like, a polo and kind of, like, short shorts on stage. Oh, jeez. So, See, I know it, who Jerry Garcia is. Yeah. That's it, though. That's where I end. Mm, mm. Yeah, there's just quite a, quite a cast. Okay. Quite a cast Well, there's going to be good people in this movie. You don't have to worry about that. No. No. Um, so that's exciting. Awesome. Mel Gibson's going to direct Lethal Weapon 5, which is as if I was going to see that any less. Now I'm definitely not going to see it. Uh, did we talk about Ryan Gosling being in the Barbie movie? So Margot Robbie's making the Barbie movie, and Ryan Gosling's going to play Ken, which pretty much solidifies that this is a complete ironic yeah. uh, spoof. You know, he's like one of the only people that turned down uh, the People's Sexiest Man Alive. I know, I didn't I was, know that. I was trying to come up with a list of that, but really I think that was the only name that kept coming up. Well, yeah, because if you think of anybody else who would be eligible for that, I can remember times when they were the Sexiest Man Alive. Mm-hmm. There was some rumoring that it was going to be Chris Evans this year and that it turned out to be Paul Rudd. Has it ever been... And it's funny, though, because like Paul Rudd's just releasing Shrink Next Door. Well, so, like, and Ghostbusters. Yeah. like There's always a marketing tie-in. I don't think there's any coincidence with it with absolutely not no, somebody somebody said to me it was likely going to be daniel craig because he's like sexy and he's just had like this big promotional tour but that movie's over yeah you can't get any more eyeballs on no time to die anymore there's just no way they're going to tie that in there's always a tie-in yeah and weirdly it's always a movie star mm-hmm. it's never been like an athlete you could pick some like oh interesting like tom brady could have been sexiest man alive he could be it this year and no one would have a problem. Well, but it's People Magazine. And there's not really a big sports That's true. following in People Magazine. I, I mean, The Rock is once an athlete. Mm-hmm. He was Sexiest Man Alive, but he's a movie star Oh, was now. he? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fair. And, and, well, and I wondered if they do sometimes offer it to athletes. But if the athletes are like... Like, who's going to be the first athlete to accept Sexiest Man Alive? If that's kind of the thing. It'd like, it have to be famous for other things. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair point. Ooh, yeah. That's, Did you hear some clicking? Yeah, that's I think for me putting pressure on this wire. Interesting, because yeah. yeah, your your iPad is in here, so we're not getting as much interference. But no. there was a little something, some clicky. Big Harry Potter twentieth anniversary uh, reunion what special. Is, what does this mean? Can you break this down for me? Are they like doing like a 
a revisited um it's called like, return to hogwarts adding scenes or something no it's not going to be that much different from the friends reunion it's oh, okay. just the whole cast is getting back together yeah. and you're going to watch it on new year's day actually it, it uh, premieres on on hbo max um featuring like really they got everybody daniel radcliffe emma watson rupert grint so the big three mm-hmm. tom felton helena bonham carter robbie coltrane ray fines jason isaacs gary oldman imelda staunton matthew lewis that's uh, neville Ivana Lynch and the Phelps twins. That's Fred and George. Notably not JK Rowling for obvious reasons, but like everybody who's alive. Oh, except for, I guess, Maggie Smith, everybody who's alive coming back. So it's like, that's kind of fun. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah. You thought it was going to be like, like new content. Well, I wasn't sure. I saw people sharing and being like, so excited. Mm. It's also kind of a cliche to be like super into Harry Potter at this point. Oh, yeah, it's Harry Potter's kind of lame again. What do you mean? Yeah. I don't know. Just like, you know, girls having like... like Deathly Hallows tattoos? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Little lightning bolts. Or just like still thinking uh, whatever House Pottermore sorted you into is your personality. Right. Like, oh, that's... I'm such a Ravenclaw. Totally. Freaking shut up. What are totally. You are you an adult? Shut up. You're a Hufflepuff. You... We all know it. <laughs> you're a mother of three. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. maybe... <laughs> Reevaluate some things. Uh, Jeopardy is doing its first ever professors tournament, which is kind of cool. Okay. Ken Jennings is hosting right now. I'm enjoying that. Uh, LeVar Burton is going to host the Trivial Pursuit game show. So he didn't get the the Jeopardy job. Obviously, that ship has sailed. This is great. He gets to host like another erudite quiz-based show. Trivial Pursuit is kind of an interesting thing to turn into television. Yep. I think it's a great place for him. Cool. Like it. Mm-hmm. And is it going to be on network? I mean, I guess. Or will it be the first nightly Netflix game show? You know what I've been wondering? How come there's not a big game show podcast? You you know what? There kind of was. Really? With not really, but but with, <laughs> with Well no, but with HQ. Remember HQ a couple of years ago? Oh yeah. And and that was like huge for all of three months. Right. We had Quiz Daddy. Mm-hmm. It was Scott Rogowski. I wish that I, I got into that when it was hot, because I love trivia. Yeah. It was great, and then if you if you did well, you'd get like a cut of the hundred thousand dollar prize, and that was happening every night. And I remember it was happening like over Christmas, and it was really heating up. Like people said, was... you looked like the guy. Did they say that? Wasn't that a thing, or that I maybe it was something else? Maybe it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I really liked the guy. I thought he was like super talented, and he's continued working in in various ways. But I I don't think he's reached the height of HQ again. Okay. I think he works for like the MLB network or something. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I've often thought like everything else has transitioned into podcasts. Why isn't there like a really good quiz show mm-hmm. on, on a podcast? But yeah. maybe, maybe that didn't work. And let's not forget about my Spotify cooking show. What was that again? It was, uh, okay. So it's a like, radio show that you would curate a playlist and give recipes. Yeah. It's like, okay, come back after, um, this song, drop yeah. it like it's odd. <laughs> I really gonna... think visuals are important in cooking shows. Yeah, I know. And well, I think I was like, well, maybe we just make it like a video podcast thing. That's a YouTube channel. Yeah, maybe we make it a YouTube, which I there's a lot of cooking on YouTube. Okay. Dave Chang was on Hot Ones today on, on subject. That was kind of entertaining. Cool. How did he do with it? Great. He thought it was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Who's who's done the best? Vince Staples, I think, killed it. Uh Dak Shepard, like, he like made a real friggin' show of it, like by like yeah, I haven't watched it, but yeah, but I would. 
I'm I'm on Dak Shepard. Uh, I needed to just I need to just be fine with him, and uh, I am fine with him. Like now that I've accepted that, I just enjoy listening to every episode. I am fine with him. I don't listen to every episode, but they get good guests. That's what I always say. They do. I always give the credit. But I even like listening to the psychologists sometimes. Oh, really? Episodes. Yeah, I never listen on Thursdays. Mm. Kaplan Corner. Uh, yes, Lizzie Kaplan not going to appear in Party Down not because party of down. scheduling conflicts. Yeah, she chose two other weird kind of smaller gigs, mm-hmm. or maybe bigger. Actually, she probably chose two weird bigger gigs. The Fleischman thing. I don't know yeah. what that is. Yeah, but she, but she could have done Party Down, which would have been cool. We're going long. Should we talk about shows? Let's talk about shows. You pick a show and recap it. I'm happy you remembered Kaplan Corner because I I <laughs> listened to the watch and they brought it up and I was like, oh man, we got to do Kaplan Corner. Man, I check for Kaplan Corner every week. Do you? Yeah. And we just haven't had Kaplan Corner. It's in never. Like it's three Be- months. Be- Becky's so sweet. She just texted me uh, show show news and it's a link to Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> live yeah this happened like 12 hours ago by the way i saw it yeah thank you becky he just posted and was like hey we're st- we love each other yeah, we still love each other and it was a lot of his bare chest showing oh was it a picture like i thought it was just like a black i'm just saying screen with typically his bare chest is showing okay uh yes kaplan corner what show are you going to recap for us i would like to recap i'll recap shrink next door okay uh, this is on Apple TV Plus. Paul Rudd and uh, Will Ferrell. It is a TV adaptation of the Wondery uh, journalistic podcast yes. of the same name. What's Will Ferrell's character's name again? Marty. Marty. Okay. All right. Recap. The Shrink next door in three, two, one, go. Marty is a very uh, nervous forty-year-old uh, who is living in um, in New York. He's he's uh, his wife uh, hates him. He's trying to get away from her. Uh, his family is suing him because he's taking over the the family business. He's not good with confrontation. He his sister is kind of his backbone. Forces him to go see this shrink, who you can kind of see is going to take advantage of him eventually, but also is trying to coach him through his woes, which he's behind. Yeah, Doctor Hershkov is kind of like shrink to the stars, and they they do a flash forward to when he's having like a garden party, and there's like Lisa Rinna there, and like it's just everybody... so is that is she playing herself in that? Yeah, so okay. this is I forget of the specific celebrities because I listened to the whole podcast series a few months ago. Oh, um, wow! And there were like Gwyneth Paltrow, maybe like famous people Whoa. were patients of Doctor Hershkov, and he was a real star fucker. That was yeah, like his, yeah. his his image is his whole thing, and so like, um he has unconventional methods like for his first session with marty i keep wanting to call marty harold because uh is very similar to harold crick which is will ferrell's stranger than fiction character gotcha um he his first session with marty they like go for a walk and they play pickup basketball and then he like goes over to the ex-girlfriend's house and he pressures uh marty into uh, refusing to pay for her trip to Mexico. And like, that's quite like an invigorating moment of yeah. self reclamation for Will Ferrell. And so like, you can see how he's planting the seeds to get into Will Ferrell's life. And Will Ferrell is getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, he's very much kind of helping him in the first episode. You can see totally. that it's, but there's a, a flash forward to the future. And like, at one point he's asking, Will Ferrell to like, hey, go clean up some of these like wet towels that are laying around. But you don't know that it's Will Ferrell at that point until the end of the show. What's also not super clear is that it's Will Ferrell's house. Yes. So like Paul Rudd is like hosting this party and everyone's like, great house, doc. Yeah. He's like, thank you. And and 
Marty is the rich one. Right. And so it's like this 30 year thing that we're just at the beginning of. Yeah. And also like the first kind of seed of like, oh, this guy might be kind of sleazy is <clears throat> as part of their outing, as part of their walk, he goes and runs an errand and he goes to like the framing store yeah. to pick up some like uh, selfies he had framed. Oh, it's so cringy. And he doesn't have his wallet. And yeah. so Marty's like, oh, I'll pay for it. I owe you money anyway. For the session. For the session, which is 45 bucks an hour. And uh, Paul Rudd is like, oh, but we actually went over. Yeah, and he so, gets it. He counts it. And he's like, I mean, we, we are in the second hour, but don't don't worry about that. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no. He's like, he's like, so what? We're 10 minutes in. I'll, I'll pay you. And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, don't worry about it. But it would be like charged for another hour because of like where we right. are right now. So. And so Marty's just very agreeable because yeah. he has lots of money. And like, this is clearly how his ex-girlfriend was going to get a free trip to Mexico out of him. Right. Um, and uh, you're mad because Paul Rudd has taken him on errands. Like yeah. we, we went over because you brought him to the frame store. Yeah. And so like, it, this is just the beginning of lots of that. Right. Right. And he... I don't think is is super successful in in having done that so far. No, but I think it's like the beginning of the climb. It's crazy. It's it's like twenty years, thirty years, thirty years. Yeah, nineteen thirty, nineteen eighty two is when they they meet. Like, and by the way, they did a really good job with the production design. Like the streetscapes, it looks like nineteen eighty two. Yeah, really nice. Wow. Although one anachronism I noticed is they used the term panic attack. Catherine Hahn is like, you're having a panic attack. I don't think they said that in 1982. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I thought she was good. Yeah. Isn't I, th- she I thought always? everyone was pretty good. It's interesting, though, that they put these broadly hysterical actors in this thing that's not explicitly a comedy. Right. It's funny. It's quirky. But it's probably a little disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like I started the show and Jen was like, okay, what's the show? And I was like, it's not going to be funny. It is Will Ferrell and... Uh, and Paul Rudd. Right. But you, you're not going to laugh. No. She was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you give it your ass? Do you like? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good. I don't know if I'll watch. Like, I'm I'm in no rush to, to watch more of it. Right. But, um, but there's nothing in there that, w- like, wouldn't make me want to watch more of these people acting. It's very curious. And like I said, like, I listen to the podcast, so I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that there's this disclaimer at the beginning, as there is in a lot of, like, adaptations. It's like, this is based on a true story, but certain events have been fictionalized for the sake of drama. And, like, um, almost nothing in this first episode is in the podcast. So I'm not oh. sure. I'm not, oh, like, like, the weirdly colored cows, the Mexico trip, the yeah. basketball game. None of that is in the podcast and so i'm not sure what they're like the exploitation exists i thought you were gonna say it was like all the exact same no huh because i thought that that was a really good out of like any uh any things that seem similar are probably just coincidence right (laughs) it's like oh you could say a lot of things were coincidence. well also like these people are i mean because there's a journalistic podcast you know that the figures involved in this story are litigious and so like the rehashing of the story is it's easy to tell a dirty john story right because john gets stabbed in the brain and dies in the end yeah it's easy to paint him as the villain Mm -hmm. um but like without knowing where this story goes there could be some open-ended uh legalities Mm -hmm. i don't want to spoil it because like there is a conclusion of sorts right but actually i felt a little dissatisfied by the podcast overall by the podcast yeah so because i have a lot of time invested in the story maybe i'll keep watching this but like i wasn't obsessed with the first episode now i give it my ass i think it was well made no i i'd say the same thing like 
it's a kind of a hard like it's a hard show to be like I'm all in on the shrink next door. Right. Like you you kind of either it ends with justice or it ends with him continuing to rip people off. And either way, Marty loses 30 years of his life. Yeah. To this like abuse, Exa- right? Exactly. Yeah. So I yeah, I'm um I'm more in it. I would be in it just because I would want to see Will Ferrell and Katherine Hahn and Paul Rudd every week. Yes? Yeah, I'll give him my ass. Me too. Okay, put me on the clock. I'll recap the first episode of Dope Sick, which I think is a Hulu show, but we have it on Disney Plus Star here. Uh, this is getting a lot of critical attention. Uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, I don't know. I think any of the actors are the characters' names in the show, but the actors are famous, so I'll yeah. just say their names. Just use them. All right, so you're going to recap Dope Sick in three, two, one. Dope Sick. The show also jumps around a timeline, which uh, I guess begins in the late 80s, maybe in the 90s, and it is about the creation and the release of OxyContin. Mm-hmm. And so the two main storylines are your pharma bros that are creating this fabrication that it's less than 1% addictive in people, uh, and they're selling it to, they're making it like this big product. The other story is this mining community in Colorado, which has a lot of chronic pain for obvious reasons, and their chief doctor is Michael Keaton, and he is suspicious about Oxy. And so all of these characters fall somewhere in that spectrum. Either they work in the mine, or they're... Uh, ethically compromised uh, medical professionals or their pharmaceutical reps trying to convince people that this drug is safe Mm -hmm. or they're like kingpins who live in palaces. Yeah. Some, there was a little bit of like a Batman villain quality to Michael Stuhlberg and his like ridiculously palatial mansion. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He looked like he was the penguin. Yeah. Is he supposed to be the penguin? I don't (laughs) know. Uh, Also who, who was the, the main, uh, drug rep like the the young guy yeah the actor's name is will poulter what else has he been in he's in we're the millers and he's gonna he's be in we're the millers he's gonna yeah. be the new um he's the lead of the new game of thrones spinoff he's actually british which you wouldn't expect huh he's a good actor and like i'm interested in him as like a cousin greg type guy in this show because yeah. clearly he's doing the wrong thing but maybe he has like a heart of gold um yeah but he's like charismatic when he like he's he's studying to the point where he's like closing deals like he knows well and he, he can... shows up in colorado he shows up at michael keaton's office with a bucket of chicken yeah like to make the like, sale hey i know you like this yeah so yeah. he's kind of there to maybe be a killer totally but i don't buy him as an adult no that's the weird thing he's yeah. so young yeah. he's like shermanator from american pie right showing up but like a, a little more jacked and so like there's a moment where he's hitting on this woman who's actually eliza hamilton from hamilton um and you're like oh she's like way older than you <laughs> you can but like i guess that's the point he's yeah. supposed to be kind of dorky blows him off and walks away the other important character is uh, caitlin deaver who is always working yeah good lord totally um she is she works in the mine mm-hmm. which is immediately disorienting like she's Can, like a small like 24 year old uh woman who works down there with her dad yep. and she already doesn't fit in um she has this like strangely devout Christian uh, upbringing. The other women in the community think that she's like chasing their husbands, but she's a closeted lesbian. Right. And so she has this like relationship with this other girl, but her family would absolutely not approve. Oh, and by the way, she is routinely injured at work and her whole back is a bruise and she has chronic pain. Yeah. And she she actually goes to see Michael Keaton, who's her doctor, and has... Um 
the conversation with like you can kind of see where that's going and i'm pretty sure this is the origin story of her becoming a junkie yeah yeah which is a drag um yeah definitely Uh, and a lot of people becoming junkies yeah i saw this 60 minutes documentary on my grandmother's couch when i was in like grade six probably what a weird weird thing for them to make a movie about probably not off the time oxycontin no your grandmother's couch it was it was (laughs) a good joke but i didn't deliver it well i so saw this movie or saw this 60 minutes show and it was all about oxycontin and i remember i went into school on like monday and was just like knowing ever like i could probably talk to a teacher more about oxycontin than that like you have no idea how addictive it is it's like ruining people's lives and so that stuck with me but no one knew what it was for still like another couple years right because it was like but i like it just kind of always like the fear of oxycontin was always there and then like a documentary worked on you a couple years yeah a couple (laughs) years later i remember it being like a thing you started hearing about it in like rural areas and and now it's just obviously the the opioid epidemic right which is obviously what this is about Mm -hmm. um and i guess it's about in particular like the corruption of the pharmaceutical industry yeah and doctors by proxy yeah saying Um, that it's not addictive well, yeah. And, and also just like doctors getting kickbacks from things that are harmful. Yeah, totally. Um, and so like that's that's the pressure aspect of the show mm-hmm. because like right now people are more, well, I was going to say they're more pharmaceutically aware than ever, but actually I think that might not be true. We just know the words Pfizer and Moderna now. We don't right. know really anything. We all think we do because we can, you know, have Facebook accounts. I don't think there's too much um, for pharmaceutical companies. I don't think there's people think there's a whole lot of character behind no. any of them or integrity. No, and I mean I've always heard that that mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies were quite evil. My first brush with that was when Pfizer created the first COVID vaccine mm-hmm. and there wasn't immediately a Kirkland one. That's right. the first time I've witnessed that front row and followed it. And yeah. I was like, okay, so they have the power to save the world and they won't because of money. The in- insulin, dude. Like, look at the states. Absolutely. Like, but you have you have a more learned background in this than me. I've just like naively been healthy. Sure. And so like I... The, <laughs> you naive, healthy person. You know, what a son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like I, I mean, everybody watched this happen and we're like grateful that a few companies came up with COVID vaccines. Mm-hmm. But like the underlying heroism is their like completely despicable behavior, their greed. Right. And yeah. so like that's that's what's relatable through this story i guess other than that like there's nothing like vaccine oriented about this this is about people having bruises on their backs but certainly you see that they like the the boardroom meetings yeah behind the scenes also really batman villainy by the way totally yeah totally yeah it's a it's a rough watch but you know what uh we talked a little last time we uh did a podcast about a show which feels like ages ago other than i may destroy you we talked about american rust which yeah. is also about like a small American, like Bible Belt town and a guy who might have a pill addiction. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that weird, like gauzy blue hue they yeah. put on these prestige dramas that are a bummer. And that exists in this show, except I enjoyed this show. And I think the difference is Michael Keaton. I think yeah. I, and I was like, if this show was the same, but well, it was and Jeff- Deaver for that matter. And friggin' love Caitlin Deaver. Like, I think she's great. Th- like as a two-hander, yeah there so i mean there's there's probably like four or five total like main characters good actors in the, in the show. show yeah they're solid but like if it wasn't michael keaton who is inherently so likable yeah 
it was Jeff Daniels instead, who has admittedly been in things I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I would have been over this because it would just seem like a drag. And maybe yeah. Caitlin Deaver is the other factor because I do really root for her. I think I think Jeff Daniels is kind of gone from like every man. Like Michael Keaton pulls off the every man, I think is the yeah, big. He's the other the Tom Hanks. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's maybe not like, I was going to say he's not as comedically inclined as Tom Hanks, but he actually literally was a comedian when he was less famous. Yeah. I didn't understand any of this until like two months ago that yeah. he was like coming up on like, like, um, Carson. And like consistently right. like being like the funny guy in movies until well, Batman. And Tom Hanks was also exclusively a comedy actor. Yeah. Until Wh- which which was Morgan. known though. Like that yes. like that was his thing. Right, but I think the two of them were like neck and neck. I think they for were up for time. the same parts and they diverted when Keaton becomes Batman yeah. and uh uh Hanks becomes Gump. Which arguably kind of makes you wonder could could Hanks ever have been could they have been interchangeable as Batman at that point? Because I don't think so. But maybe they could have. I do. You think that Hanks could have played Batman just sure. as easy as Keaton? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the the bias in my head of Couldn't do it now. Keaton being. No, yeah. no, no. Couldn't of course do it now. not. Um, although although that, that's so interesting. That's, that's the next DC <laughs> is like old Batman. Well, I mean, it's like Logan. Arguably the most uh, popular Batman graphic novel ever is The Dark Knight Returns, which is it is old man Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah, maybe it's Hanks. <laughs> That'd be so role. strange. No, instead he's uh, uh, Finch, Finch, which you watched, didn't you? I didn't watch it yet. Oh, my no. folks watched Finch. You haven't watched it. No. Well, I mean, I want to. Uh, what I've heard uh, broadly is that it's it's no Castaway and it's no The Martian. Sure. Yeah, I mean, those are that's a big ask yeah. for a movie to be big, that. Big shoes to fill, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You do expect Hanks to make those good decisions, but hey. Well, and I, I don't know that it's bad. Yeah. He just, he, he wanted to be in it. Exciting turn for Tom Hanks in that he's going to play the heel in a movie pretty soon. Baz Luhrmann is making the Elvis Presley biopic. Right. And he's I heard that. like the evil uh, record exec. Promoter. Yeah. 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 He said on Bill Simmons' podcast, right, which you right. listened to, he's yes. like, and he, he said promoter, not manager. Like, Yeah. Why was that a point of contention? I wonder. I, well, I think maybe he, I feel like it's going to be like a through line in the movie where he's like correcting people being like promoter oh Oh, right yeah like a mission statement not a memo right exactly (laughs) exactly anything else you want to say about dope sick i feel like we didn't say that many specific things about it no i mean it's it's overall kind of a bummer you see where it's going you kind of have a vibe of where the show is going to be but ultimately i liked it better than um the american rust american well american rust yeah and better than what was the other show we just shrink recapped. next door shrink next door i actually did too yeah in a strange i didn't expect to i thought it was a little long i thought they introduced a lot of people and with all the jumping around in the timelines it was a little confusing because we we're meeting a lot of people yeah helpfully they're famous and so i'm finding it easier to distinguish them but like there was a lot going on but i think overall i'm i'm more interested in this show I, they opened it on a johnny cash song uh yep. wayfaring stranger i thought that was like a really good meta choice maybe it wasn't as self-conscious as i thought it was but like like that johnny cash so represents like middle america and also like physical pain mm-hmm. and drug addiction yeah sure. and hopelessness like it just seemed like yeah. a perfect guy demons. to choose yeah demons yeah so i actually i give it my ass yeah i think i think the way that i would put this week's shows two s's that i'm gonna sit on for a while okay i don't think i don't see myself rushing to dope sick or 
or uh, the shrink next door anytime soon. I think the shrink next door is going to shrink next door. I think it's going <laughs> to kind of fall flat. I yeah. think Dope Six actually going to get a little buzz. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How many episodes are out of it so far? Or is the whole thing out? I don't know, actually. Dope Six. Um, I do not know. And and I love a good addiction story too, but I don't. You really do. Th- I I don't know if that's gonna if it's gonna hit me in the same way here because usually I like when people are like going to AA, working the steps, mm. kind of thing. But I I don't like to see like. No, this is like, about the evils of a system. Yeah, like, people victimizing people a like getting hooked and like yeah on pills especially. I don't yeah. know, just unsure. No, it's not meant to glamorize it. That's for sure. Nah. And. We get a flash forward at the start of the episode, which is Michael Keaton as the doctor on the stand. Yeah. And they're basically like, what did you first believe? Or what were you first told about the addictive properties of, of Oxy? And he's like, they said it was less than 1% addictive. What did you find, doctor, was actually the case. And he takes this long, dramatic pause and he goes, so many of them are dead now. Yeah. yeah. It was like really heavy. Yeah. Go Michael Keaton. What's his next move? Well, he's in a move. Do you need something else? You know, so many people have asked me um, when the Short Mercy sequel is coming out. <laughs> and I'm like, when, when will I be enough for you? So you sympathize with Michael Keaton. Right? I absolutely do. Yeah. yeah. He's got dope sick. He's working. Yeah. He's on it. That's a real thing that bothers me, by the way. It's this dumb, like, ungrateful frustration I have with the way people interact with me generously. They're like, <laughs> oh, you're working on the sequel? And I'm like, did you not get the end? Was the end love- not enough? I love Didn't this. Didn't it wrap like, up good for you? Just someone trying to make conversation. Like <laughs> no, trying to It's so like, generous. Really come up with like, oh, what could I talk to sweets about? Oh, the uh how yeah, so the the book we you, you oh you didn't like it? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, there is kind of a tone of that. It's like, well, how can you not feel satisfied by the end? Right. I'm hopeless. <laughs> Speaking of my writing, do you want to hear a poem? Yes, I do. This one is uh, I have a couple actually. Uh this is uh timely because the parade of lights is happening this weekend. Amazing. And I'm pretty openly Are an- you in it? anti-parade, but I am in it. Uh, so this, <laughs> I'm going to laugh through this. I just wrote it today. It might be a little sloppy. I might uh, trip over it a little bit. But it's called Parader Woes, which rhymes with Trader Joe's, but has nothing to do with Trader Joe's. Okay. Uh, a tragic pro-parader. I so hate parades. They're an unyielding plight that I face. I join with the mob because it comes with the job. But I'll tell you my woes case by case. In 2012, I was in a parade. When a burning smell came from the float, the sound system wire ignited on fire, and baby, that's not all she wrote. <laughs> in 2013, an ache in my head from the last night's too many beers. Still walked the parade, but I puked, I'm afraid. I can still hear the audience cheers. A couple years later, was at it again. Our whole group wore basketball shorts. The wind did divulge an unflattering bulge. I swear <laughs> the cold weather distorts. <laughs> The following Christmas, the Santa Parade, once again, on the sword I did fall. The rain's not so nice when it hardens to ice. I swore off parades once and for all. But this year, I'm newly recruited to give it one more college try. As our float traverses, I'll watch out for curses, but maybe I'll get lucky and die. <laughs> um, I love it. Thank you. Thank Rem- you very those, much. those events where you're just like... Oh man, what if I just got appendicitis the day before? Wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome if I just got appendicitis? Well, the day I've before? I've been getting a lot of really bad nosebleeds, which yeah. I usually do this time of year. Yeah, me too, man. It's crazy. I've been especially bad this year, and they always happen at inopportune times. And when I got uh uh <laughs> when I got kind of like harangued into doing this parade, 
um, I thought, well, I'm going to get a nosebleed during this parade. There's no way I'm not going to get a torrential, vicious nosebleed in front of 100,000 of Halifax's finest. And while you're having the conversation, did you have a nosebleed? I haven't had one since, so I'm due. Uh, okay. This is a really, really niche poem, and it's and it's uh, written in the same meter, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, but this is this is a long poem inspired by a very stupid thing I, I realized while watching TV, and it's called Mystery Box. Joey from Friends was a gamer, though rarely had ample cash flow. But with Chandler's donation, had a Sony PlayStation, and I think at one point Nintendo. But I noticed in a recent reviewing in The One with the Videotape, while Joey chats with Ross, you can see an Xbox. It's size and unmistakable shape. Growing up, I had the same system. My brother and I saved up for months. It was a long time ago, but not as long as this show was still before the time of reruns. So I did some release date comparing. Xbox came out November 15th. But four weeks before that, I learned from my source that this episode of Friends was first screened. So, who even knows when they taped it? I am so perplexed by these dates. Here's one explanation of this Microsoft fixation. The seventh friend must be Bill Gates. Never spotted him at Central Perk. Can't remember if he dated Phoebe. Did the show jump the shark mid his prominent arc? Even sitcom billionaires can be sneaky. He must have given Joey that Xbox in the one where Bill has a surprise or else there's no reason at this point in the season he should have used the show to advertise. Nice. I like that. That is a weirdly niche poem. I thought you were going to say. Didn't need to spend an hour. That writing. is the first part. <laughs> that's, that's act one. Yeah. All right. I've bored you enough. No, not at all. We went on I love those. We had a good one. As we should have. You're right. We've missed Weeks at a time. The Will Smith uh, book came out. Oh my God. We got to get it. Well, I'm thinking that we should get it. And like, I think that I should just read it and just highlight, <laughs> highlight stuff. Or, chapter or just like openly, like open to a page and point at a line and like, <laughs> find out the woes. <laughs> yeah. See what's wrong with this weird line. Um, yeah. It just seems like he's getting toasted on social media all the time. Like, like people making fun of him at this point. I don't know about the book. I mean, I actually am really psyched for King Richard, and apparently, apparently it rules. Nice. Like the critics love it. It's like ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's kind of way thing. up there, and apparently he in particular is just like off the charts. Incredible. So, it, in fact, I've heard it said a couple of times. It's his first good movie in years. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like yes. in a way that we shouldn't trust, but it would be so useful for this bit if he ran the full Oscar gamut. If we got a year of of <laughs> him just being like a, yeah. an absolute a-list killer because like lest anybody think otherwise the whole the whole point is everybody likes will smith and so do we by the way mm -hmm. but for god's sake never trust you will can't smith. trust him and there's yeah. reasons for that that we can't get into right now can't wait to investigate more as the as the book is further read and mm -hmm. this movie is further seen uh but i intend not to be shaken from my initial belief which is that you should never trust will smith never change your beliefs <laughs> it's a good sign off it's not catchy but it's important <laughs> never trust well it's never change your beliefs 